Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Okay, here we go. Now put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. Reverse. Now turn the wheel. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Reverse. Slow the down. Don't kill it. Kill it. Kill the motor. There's a reason they say cursed like a sailor. In reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're docked now. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. I'm your host, Keith Smith, and joining me today is a friend of mine. He is the Orlando Magic expert, Philip Rossman Reich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic. He is the host. If you want to know anything about the Magic, you need to check out Orlando Magic Daily, and you need to be following their Twitter. Phil is all over everything that goes on with this team. Phil, how's it doing? How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing doing really well tonight. How are you doing, Keith? I'm doing great. I, you know, really wanted to say thank you for having me. I know I've been on your show a couple times on Locked On Magic. We always have a good conversation, and you know, it's a it's a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to getting into this and talking about the Orlando Magic and the off season and the roster and where things might be headed. Yeah, it's uh, definitely an interesting time. Really interesting summer coming up for the Orlando Magic. Uh, I'm I'm sure. Uh, you're you're gonna we're gonna have a lot to say here on the show today. <laughs> yeah, it, it, we're not even to the summer fully yet, and a lot has already happened here. But we'll get into all that. So I always like to start by before we can move forward, we need to look back a little bit. So we're gonna take a look at what happened. <laughs> Sorry, man. If if you want to tune out for a minute, read, read emails or something, that's okay. I'll, I'll cue you back in when we're ready to move forward. Um, but so in the 2017 season, rough year for the Magic. Definitely a step back after showing a little bit of progress the prior season, but 29 and 53, last in the Southeast Division, 13th in the Eastern Conference. The offense was kind of predictably what we thought it might be, and it was a mess. 101 points per game, 27th in the league, 103.7 offensive rating. That was 29th, so it was even worse than it might have looked at times. On the plus side, they were 12th in pace, which Frank Vogel had stressed in the preseason that he wanted to run a lot and push the ball and take advantage where they could. And they, they, they did that more so, and we'll, we can talk this in a second, but I think more so after the Serge Ibaka trade than prior. On the defensive end, where Vogel had made his bones as a coach in Indiana, 22nd in both points per game allowed and defensive rating for both of those. So in the lower third of the league, just never really quite came together for the Magic after a lot of additions last summer. Phil, just give everybody an idea of kind of how things things went from your point of view. I know you were there for all 82 of them. <laughs> Uh, almost all 82. I, I I missed two games while I was uh, while I was uh, celebrating Northwestern's. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah, we'll but, give uh, you that 80, one. 80, 80, 80 was enough. Um, it, it was 
it was just not a good and good season for the Magic. Uh, any way you slice it, uh, the team. Uh, we came into the year investing a lot. They they traded in some of their young assets, especially Victor Oladipo, and and really even going back to the Tobias Harris trade to create cap room and and try and, and inject some veteran presence into the roster. And uh, it, it completely backfired. Uh, you know, Serge Ibaka had a good season individually, but wasn't the the piece that they needed to get over the top. Uh, after starting the first month of the season as as one of the top five defenses in the league. They around December eighth or ninth, they just nosedive. They went from a top five defense in the league through the first month of the season to one of the very worst defenses in the league, and uh, just nothing seemed to be able to to get it all back on under uh, on track. And even then, Orlando was struggling so much to score that you know they were playing a lot of games in the low nineties, and and that just wasn't sustainable. I mean, as 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 good as the defense seemed to be playing, uh, they were still about a five hundred team, and uh, eventually, they just all kind of let go of the rope defensively, for lack of a better term, uh, and, and never really got it back. And so without that defensive anchor, as we all expected, their offense really, really suffered. And, and so the season was, was quickly lost um, you know, by December or January and was clear the magic. We're going to have to trade Serge Ibaka to, just to recoup some assets. And they looked a little bit better after the All-Star break when they got Terrence Ross. They moved Aaron Gordon back to power forward where he looked much more natural. He went from averaging somewhere around 12 points per game to around 17 points per game. His rebounding shot up as he was closer to the basket. Uh, and, and so things looked a little bit better. But even when you look under the surface of that, they, they finished the last uh, last 20 or so games of the season with a 333 win percentage. Uh, I think they were... Uh, eight and fourteen or eight and eight. It, it wasn't a good record. It was. It was. It, they looked like they were playing better, and even statistically, their offense was a little bit better. They were still in the bottom ten, but it was still it was better than twenty ninth. Uh, but their defense was still a mess. They were still losing a lot of games. They were still getting blown out a lot. They had I think six losses this year by thirty or more points, uh, and so it, this is just a team that that was that needed a, a reset of some sort. Uh, and of course, they got that uh, beginning of it at least by by hi- firing their GM and, and hiring uh, Jeff Weltman to be the president of basketball operations. Yeah, so then that's a great segue. So the off season really kind of started almost at the trade deadline in a sense. They moved on from Serge Ibaka, which did two things, right? It brought in Terrence Ross, who is now he signed for a couple more years for the team, and he fits as a wing scorer, can play a little bit of defense, but really injected another shooter. And the big thing, I know you and I have had this conversation a million times, is they looked a little more like a real functional basketball team. Even if it didn't always have those results, they looked more like a a, a, a team for that's built for this era versus previous where they didn't. Yeah, then, and and I think, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, no, go ahead. And, and I think that was that was a big thing that the Magic wanted to do. It seemed like players were were kind of back in the right spots. Um, you know, one of the criticisms of the way the Magic built their roster last year was that they they had too many bigs. They were going to force Aaron Gordon to play the three, and I think the hope was that players would grow into their roles. That didn't happen. You know, they were playing Nikola Vucevic and Bismack Biombo together a lot. Both Vucevic and Ibaka like to pop on pick and rolls. They're not necessarily kind of hard rollers to the basket. And so there were a lot of players that were just kind of getting in each other's way. And without a lot of three-point shooting to begin with, the spacing was just terrible. And so moving Aaron Gordon back to the four, putting the ball more in Alfred Payton's hands in pick and rolls rather than trying to isolate 
a guy like Gordon on the perimeter or a guy like Ibaka even in the mid post really opened up the offense a lot. The team was a better offensive team after the All-Star break, and, and you're right, they looked they look like a real team. that looked like guys were in the right spots to take advantage of their talent, especially two key guys that the Magic had and, and Peyton and, and, and Gordon look like they were in where they look like they were where they needed to be to succeed in this league. Yeah, we are gonna just in case anybody's wondering, we're gonna definitely spend some time on those two guys yeah. towards the end of the program here because there are definitely some big questions with those two. But let's move forward now. Let's get out of the mala- the morass of last year, move it forward into two thousand seventeen off season. There's a lot of excitement and that excitement started what, a, a couple of weeks ago when we were down there um, for the introduction, introductory press conference of Jeff Weltman as the new president of basketball operations. At that time, it had already been announced that the team had hired John Hammond from the Milwaukee Bucks to be the new GM. He was not present. He, he was wrapping up some things in Milwaukee before he could get down to Orlando. But for me, it felt like for the first time in the last couple of years, it felt like there was a new energy in the building that day. And there's always some of that when it's a new, kind of a new beginning. But it felt really positive where the last couple of years, things have not felt so good. Even this offseason where they made a bunch of big moves and signings, there were so many questions with them. The hiring of Weltman, to me, feels like it really is setting the franchise on a, in a new direction in a really positive one. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, well, when, when you're kind of at the bottom, it, it, there's really nowhere to go but up. Um, you know, I, I think, like you said, that even when they, they made the move to bring in Ibaka and, and the moves that they made, it, it, it just reeked of desperation almost. Uh, and, you know, this is not to say that, you know, it absolves, you know, Rob Hennigan of any, anything, but there's certainly a feeling that ownership was, was, was putting a lot of pressure on Hennigan to deliver. And, you know, as it sometimes happens, he kind of cracked under the pressure and didn't put together a, a product that, that could win. Uh, and so you bring in Weltman, it, it feels like a lot of that pressure has been released. And, and I think some of that is a new guy. They're going to let the new guy do his thing. But uh, uh, differently than when Hennigan came in, Hennigan came in with very little experience in the league. That's not to say that he wasn't smart and wasn't capable. Uh, by all indications, everyone at the time and, and even now would say Hennigan was ready for that job and just didn't perform. Uh, you know, this is a results-driven business. But Weltman brings in, what, 25 years of experience in the NBA. Hammond brings in 35 years of experience in the NBA. It, it, it feels just the complete opposite of, of Hennigan. Um, these are guys that have a lot of relationships in the league, have a lot of experience in the league. They, they have their failures for sure, but they've also got a lot of successes too. Uh, and, and it just it feels like the Magic now have the organizational structure that they feel like can, can bring success to the team. Alex Martins has promised to, to, to reinvest in the basketball operations department to make a significant investment, not just in hiring Weltman and Hammond, who you know probably come at, at a much bigger price than, than Hennigan did on his own. Uh, it, it, it definitely feels like it's a new time for the Magic, and it's, you know there's a lot of trust in, in that experience bringing good decision, decisions to the team to begin propelling them forward. Yeah, and you know the the we talked about it being really exciting. One thing is, as we dive into this, it's really important to remember with the Magic where they stand right now. 
we don't really know um, what these guys think and where they want to go with things. <laughs> Jeff Weltman came up. He did a really good introductory press conference, did kind of what they all do in those. It's uh, they, they say a lot without saying very much at all. <laughs> and he, um, you know, and that, it's a little unfair because I did like his, you know, comments on, um, you know, culture is not anything he's interested in. He wants to win. He wants to build a good team. I liked that he's not putting timelines on things. But he didn't get at all, even when kind of pushed in the direction, didn't get at all into talking about players or draft strategy or any of that. And then we were talking a little bit off air before we started. It's kind of gone on lockdown <laughs> out of Orlando. There's nothing coming out. We're not even hearing who they're working out anymore, um, unless the players are kind of sharing it themselves. So it's uh, it's it's kind of interesting to see you know the direction here is so so that's a long way of saying everything we're gonna say here. It's it's educated guesses, but they're still just guesses because we we don't have a ton to work off of. So diving into the off season details. So for the magic. We've got them at a max cap space. These are my projections. If you're interested in finding any of this work, there is a pinned tweet to my Twitter timeline. I am at KeithSmithNBA on Twitter, K-E-I-T-H-S-M-I-T-H-N-B-A, no spaces, no special characters, nothing like that. Really easy Twitter handle to find. There is a pinned tweet to the top of my timeline that has a link to my NBA salary and roster sheets, which has... A ton of information, more than you could ever want. And this is where I'm working all my things. So if you want to pull that up, follow along live, you know, pause your player, pull that up, preferably not while you're driving it. That's not, not a safe idea to do. So if you're sitting at a desktop, by all means, jump in. But you can follow on and see where these projections are coming from. So 19.8 is their max cap space. That's if they got rid of everything, didn't make the draft picks or traded the picks or anything like that. That is the max they can get to, keeping just the guaranteed money on the books. My projected cap space for the Magic is $13.4 million, which puts them right around the middle of the pack this year uh, as far as things go. And because how I got to that is the Magic has three free agents, so we're going to talk about all three of those now. I have them, my opinion, and I'll make it easy for Phil here, is I think all three of them are going to be gone. I think they'll renounce Jeff Green, Jody Meeks, and Damian Rudej. The first two are unrestricted free agents. Rudej is a restricted free agent. I think they're going to not give him a qualifying offer, and they'll just renounce all three and move on and take the space. But, Phil, let's take them one by one. So Jeff Green came in on the one-year big contract, got basically all the cap space that was left to come in and help fill out the bench as the uh, third forward in the rotation. What do you think about him? Any chance he's back in Orlando next year? Um. I, you know, and, I, and before before I dive too too deeply into, into Jeff Green, uh, another thing to remember about uh, the Magic deciding whether to sign or re-sign these guys is the Magic roster is already, or at least it's full for last year at 15 players. Yep. They've got four draft picks in the upcoming draft. I know we're going to talk about the draft a little bit later, but you got to free up roster spots for your draft picks, essentially, correct? Right? Mm-hmm. And you only get so many of those two-way contracts. And so I think... What the Magic do with those draft picks will also play a role in what they do uh, with these free agents. Because I agree, I, I find it hard to believe that all three, that any of the three, are going to be back. Um, getting back to, to Jeff Green, uh, I don't see a way that Jeff Green is back next year. Um, uh, you know, like you said, he came in on a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal. Was kind of a there's no one left to sign. We need someone. You know, we believe we're a playoff team. We need someone to play. We need a veteran to come off the bench, maybe anchor that second unit. 
we'll give Jeff Green a try. I mean, worst case scenario, he plays well. We, we trade that $15 million contract into other valuable assets. Um, that didn't happen. He was, um, you know, more disappointing than usual, I would say, maybe. I mean, I think, I think it, 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 it might be fair to say that there has been some deterioration in Green's skill because for all the hate that Jeff Green gets, he still was a, a quasi-serviceable player. You can still expect mm-hmm. him to, to get 10, 12 points per game, you know, good for a good game, a really good game every once in a while. Uh, Green, though, on this Magic team, really, really struggled. Um, you know, he's not the most efficient player to begin with. He kind of stopped the ball a lot and a team that needed motion and needed ball movement to get, get guys open, uh, and it, it just didn't work. Um, he just he wasn't what the Magic needed. Uh, and, you know, and so I, I, I certainly because the Magic have to get better this year or have to look for ways to improve their roster, letting Jeff Green go and opening that salary spot is absolutely the decision they have to make to, to at least give them a chance at signing someone in free agency that can help the roster grow a little bit or just to, just to be able to absorb some, some open cap space should they make a trade uh, in the free agency period. Yeah, so let's talk about Jeff Green for a second here. He was <laughs> someone who I saw a lot of. If you don't know, if you're following along, part of my uh, NBA responsibilities is that I cover the Boston Celtics, so I saw every game he played in his Boston tenure, and he was the most frustrating player to watch because there was games where you're like, all right, man, this guy's got it. He he went toe-to-toe with LeBron James in games and outplayed LeBron. And then three weeks would go by and you'd be like, oh, yeah, Jeff Green's still on the team. I forgot when he was scoring seven points a game, you know, after a 50-point explosion. So it's uh, – he, he's just tough, and what really fell off for him with the Magic was his shooting. It really cratered. Shot under 40% for the year overall, 27% from three. Just really tough go around with it. I think he's still a guy who can help a good team off the bench, but it's going to have to be in a role where he plays 15, maybe max 20 minutes a night. And, and you're absolutely right. That that role is not here in Orlando. It's time for him to move on. And it's time for us to move on. So let's get to the next guy. This one I think there might be a little bit more question about. So I'm interested to hear what you think. Jody Meeks, what do you think about him? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Jody Meeks, if, if there's a guy the Magic will resign, it, it's, it's Jody Meeks. And, and I think what's going to be really important with him is is figuring out what the right number for him is. Because last year he made, what, $7.5 million uh, on, on his contract last season, or uh, $6.5 million. Six and a half, yep. So his, his cap hold is, is, is a relatively big, it's not a huge number, but it's a relatively big number. $9.8 million, if, if anybody's wondering. It's $9.8 million. So certainly the Magic, are, I don't think the Magic should re-sign him to anything more than what he was making last year. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think the Magic should, if the Magic are thinking of re-signing him, they need to make sure they bring him back on a lower number. And, and honestly, they probably need to do it quickly, you know, relatively quickly. Um, otherwise, they may end up playing that bird rights game where, oh, we, we, we waive his bird rights to have cap room to sign someone we want, or, oh, we're going to bring back his bird rights, you know, you know, you, 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 bird rights, you know, I think, you know, the way the way that, that, that you can activate and deactivate bird rights, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm wrong, please correct me on this, that a team can, can decide to retain or, or reject a, pers- a player's bird rights, you know, essentially until they use that cap room. Uh, yeah, um, and, so and we'll... No one- yeah, what would happen is they, they do have his bird rights, so they would hold his bird rights all the way until they 
needed that cap space. And then if they said, you know, we're renouncing you, then they lose those bird rights. And he, he nothing changes as far as free agent status. He's already an unrestricted free agent. But what they do is they that removes the cap hold from, from the Magic's books. And then the Magic have that additional money to go spend, but then they can't then exceed the cap after. So that's the way it kind of works with bird rights. So he, he's one of those guys that can kind of sit on the books until till they need the space, if they need the space, and then they could go back at it from there. It's, you know, one way or another, It's it's it, it, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. What's interesting for me with Jody Meeks is he shot 40% from three. And it was in a small sample because he did only make it in the 36 games. And I know we, we sat next to each other for that crazy explosion he had late in the season against the Nets uh, where he just went completely yeah. insane in the third quarter and uh, won, won, a, won a game that helped the Celtics clinch the number one lottery odds. So, <laughs> so everyone in Boston thanks Jody Meeks for Always that. Always happy to help. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, at least something positive came. And he did get nine points a game, mostly coming off the bench, played you know, 36 games, as I said, only 10 starts in there. And this is a team that no matter what they do, they're still going to need a bench shooter. So I think he, I think you're right in the sense that he is probably the most likely guy to come back. I just think there's always room for shooters on every roster. And I think some other teams probably going to say, you know what, hey, we'll kick you a little bit more money on a roll on maybe a contender or a at least a playoff team to come here. And at that point, I think for Jody Makes, it's probably uh, maybe I could get a little more out of Orlando, but he's now um, deeper into his career. And he might be saying, you know what, it's time to time to go win and playing some meaningful games down the stretch. Exactly. And it's important to note here that, that he played only 36 games last year, but the injuries that cost him the time were two unrelated injuries. Correct. Um, he, he, he missed most of of the 2016 season with a broken foot and and the he came back toward the end was set to come back for the magic and then discovered that that it wasn't healing properly so he went back for surgery for that came back uh, 19 game 19 20 games into the season looked great on uh, the magic were a better team with Jody Meeks on the floor they needed that that shooting desperately and he had some big games because they were able to get him open shots because teams were just so used to compacting the paint against Orlando. Uh, and then in January, he goes in for a steal against the, the Pelicans and uh, breaks his thumb, I think, was, was what, what yeah. he was. He fractured yep. a bone in his thumb. And he was out until virtually the last 15 games of the season. So the, the Magic didn't really get the full Jody Meeks experience, but when he was in there, they were a better team, and he can definitely still contribute on the Magic or on a on a championship team for Orlando. It's going to be about the price. Um, you know, I think they they would want to re-sign him, but I don't think he's a priority to re-sign. And if I remember, I just in case anybody's trying to put put some links together, he was drafted by John Hammond. With the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh yeah, um, that's right. So Hammond did draft Jody Meeks. So he obviously saw something in him once upon a time. All right, so let's move to the last free agent now. We don't need to spend a lot of time on on Damo Damian Rudej. He was kind of a training camp guy added and really played himself onto the roster. He he beat out some other guys for a spot there at the end of the the preseason, and he was the one who stuck around here at Orlando, and he ended up sticking all season, I think maybe to a little bit of a surprise to to several of us. But he's now 30 years old. He came to the NBA late after a overseas career. 
Played in 45 games, but mostly garbage time at the end of games. And he said it to us in preseason that when he was with Frank Vogel in Indiana, Frank Vogel told him, if you're not hitting shots, you're not going to play. Well, he didn't hit shots, so he didn't play. <laughs> right? I mean, it's really that. Uh, that, was the exact, that was the exact point I was going to make. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't let that quote go by, right? I think that was this kind of shining moment of the season um, almost, which is sad that it came in September and October. But... He, you know, it's at this point for me, he's there's really no reason to keep him around as a restricted free agent. And, and the big thing that I think costs cost, uh, Damo here is that the Magic need the roster spots. Now, what I could maybe see is they they no qualifying offer, they renounce him, they they send him packing. If he doesn't receive a big offer to go back home overseas and play in Europe, I could see him maybe coming back with the Magic to training camp again and trying to fight for a spot, but that's probably the extent of a return for him. What do you what do you see on him? Yeah, I I, I don't I, I like the idea of of maybe giving him the training camp shot again, but I, I don't I don't really see that um, you know I think that you know he's an end of the he's an end of the bench guy uh, there isn't a lot of value especially with where the Magic are at I think with Orlando thinking they were a playoff team a veteran presence who knew Vogel's system was valuable to the team and and I, and, and and to, to give Damo all the credit in the world he is uh, he seemed like a fun guy to be around in the locker room so I think you know even through some of the losing he kept things kind of loose or, or was able to kind of help cut some of the t- some of the tension of losing a little bit maybe he's he's a good he's a good locker room guy to have but with where the magic are at I, I think it'd be more useful to spend that spot on a, a young guy uh, who can develop or or you know even a guy you could be bringing up from Lakeland or a two-way guy from Lakeland uh, I, I just think that uh, the the role Rudez was meant to play was lost. I was surprised they kept him past the January 10th guarantee date. Um, you know the Magic were were really out of the playoffs by that point anyway, and I, I thought it was very strange that they they weren't devoting that spot to to, to someone else or or trying to find a way to to kind of mix the roster up to to see if they could bring someone out of the D League or bring someone uh, that that may not be in the league right now to, to try and get a spark on the team and, and give a give a kid a chance and it you know it just it just didn't happen that way and, and you know Rudez did his work but the results speak for themselves didn't shoot the ball well at all 31.3 percent from the from beyond the arc the Magic need three needed three point shooting from him and, and he couldn't provide it and you know I don't think there's any hint you know from his last few stints in the NBA that he's going to get much better and so I, I just don't see a reason to to even entertain the idea of bringing him back. Yeah, and, you know, there was some sense at the time when he was brought in that he was here to kind of help Mario along. They know each other, mm-hmm. both from Croatia. Um, but even Damian, right from the jump, you know, said, you know, I know Mario, but there's almost a 10-year age difference. So, I mean, he knows him, but, you know, there was never a sense that they were super tight or that he played the mentor role for him here or anything like that. So, you know, that was a... Uh, you know, with Mario's own future, and we're going to talk about him. I, I'm going to I'm going to throw you a curveball and add that to our little outline here. Let's um, do it. But, but we need we need to. I haven't, I haven't gotten I haven't gotten Mario hate in a while. Yeah, we need to spend a few minutes on Mario. So all right, so that wraps up our free agents. So we are pretty much on the same page that all three probably go. If any is going to return, it's probably Jody Meeks. 
Now where it gets a little more interesting towards still back into the roster, but that's what we do on the NBA front office show. We go deep on these rosters. We're going to talk about every guy on each team that, that may or may not be back. So let's go to the back end, and let's start with these guys are all the partial or non-guaranteed players. So what that means is they have either some amount owed to them or they are completely non-guaranteed, so the Magic could waive them at no cost to them. First guy up on this list, he's the most accomplished of the group, and that's CJ Watson. So CJ Watson, kind of a combo guard, probably a little bit more point guard than shooting guard at this point, but he's played both positions, both starting and coming off the bench for the Magic over the last couple of seasons. He is guaranteed $1 million, which where the Magic is, that's no big deal if they need to eat a million million dollars in dead money on the cap, and he becomes fully guaranteed on July 10th. So the good thing with CJ is July 10th is deep enough into the summer where the Magic will know prior if they need the additional $4 million because his salary would become fully guaranteed at $5 million if they need that additional $4 million in cap space. They'll know before his guarantee date. So what kind of works in their favor, he gets the million no matter what happens with him or he gets $5 million if he makes it to July 10th. Where do you see CJ Watson's future with the club? Well, I don't see him with the Magic next year under any circumstance. Um, if, if he's if he's still on the roster July 9th, they're going to cut him. Um, mm-hmm. and I think the Magic need. I think the Magic want that roster spot. Um, uh, CJ just he hasn't clicked with the team in two years. Um, you know, last 2016 he had this weird calf injury that knocked him out for most of the season and didn't really do anything last season. He had to play a lot of shooting guard because the Magic brought in DJ Augustin to play the backup point guard and. He struggled with his shot again. He did some good things defensively. He was just solid, but wasn't spectacular. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think at this point, the Magic want to move in a younger direction. They want to, they, they got to, they, I mean, like I said, they've got four draft picks in this coming draft. I, I expect that the Magic, I suspect that the Magic will try and use all of them uh, to, to kind of reju- rejuvenate the roster a little bit. And so they need to clear up some, some spots to bring in those rookies and or go after free agents. And C.J. Watson is a perfect uh, candidate for that. Now, Watson being a veteran, I, I do have a sinking suspicion, and, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about what about this later on in the show, about the ma- what direction the Magic want to go in. Because of the, the cap limitations that they have, if, if the Magic are looking to make major improvements, they're not going to be able to do it in free agency. Mm-hmm. They've got. They're, they're going to have to explore the trade market for some of their core guys. And having a player like C.J. Watson, who is five million dollars against the cap, but you can get rid of four million dollars of it. That's really valuable in a trade. In a trade, especially yep. if say, you know, you're, you're, I'm sure we'll talk about this at, at length. But let's say you're trying to trade Nikola Vucevic to, to free up space for Bismack Biombo, or because Nikola Vucevic is probably one of the more tradable guys on the team. Vucevic is being paid $12.5 million this year, I believe. You add $5 million to that, that's a $17 million player, $17 million player or $17 million of player that you can bring into the roster. And for the team that's acquiring them, who might be looking to cut some salary, that's $4 million that you can wipe off pretty easily. Um, and so I think that there's a lot of potential for for the Magic to try and use Watson as as something of a sweetener or as a as a cap filler in a trade at the draft or, or right before free agent right before free agency to to try and improve the roster. So I don't think we'll see Watson on the Magic next year under any circumstance, but it wouldn't surprise me if he is a, a key piece 
as far as making salaries match in a trade that the Magic are looking to pursue down the line. You'll, 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 any Magic trade rumor, I, I can almost guarantee you're going to hear C.J. Watson's name attached to it. Yeah, Not as the main player, but but as a necessary piece. Yeah, if, if he's the main player in any kind of trade, that, that <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what that one is. <laughs> but it'll be... Yeah, uh, Jeff Weltman is, is a god. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think as you were going to see, there's this, so this is an overall thing that we should have, I should have touched on a long time ago in the show, so I apologize, but there is not the cap space available this summer that people think there may be after what's happened the last two years. One is, teams spent a ton of money the last two seasons, some of it questionably, some of it really well, but still, it was a lot of money, and the cap didn't go up nearly as much as they um had originally projected. It was originally projected to be 107 million, and now it's coming coming in at only 101, which is still the all-time highest it's ever been. But that's not much of a not as much of a bump as we had projected it to be. So that is really making things a lot tighter. So that's where your point of C.J. Watson being used as really salary filler that then you can wipe out four million dollars of that might have big implications for a team that's looking to get off some money and move. And the Magic may be in a position to maybe eat a questionable deal if it brings another young asset back in terms of a young player or a draft pick. So that is something definitely interesting to watch there. Let's move into the next guy. So the Magic, after the draft day trade last season that saw Serge Ibaka, the rights to DeMontis Sabonis, who was the Magic's first-round pick, traded to four. Those two guys are traded for each other with Oklahoma City. The Magic only had one draft pick, and that was Steven Zimmerman. He came in up and down summer league. He's big, but he's also extremely skinny, pretty frail for a big guy, really you know small, got pushed around a lot. Spent the bulk of the season playing for the Erie Bayhawks, which were the Magic's old NBA D League. Now as we transition to the NBA G League, and I promise I'll only mess that up about a thousand times between now and getting it stuck in my brain. It's like it's like it's like it's for, for our Orlando listeners, it's like MGM Studios. Yeah. It's not yeah. MGM Studios anymore, <laughs> but we still call it that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's uh, you know, that's a that's a good one. And so now if we were flipping it forward a year, Zimmerman last year would have only been traveling about an hour or so away from the facility to facility because the Magic's new um, NBA G League team is going to be located in Lakeland, which if, if you're not familiar with Central Florida, it's right down the road, and it's literally right down one highway. Lakeland is the Lakeland's about the midpoint between Orlando and Tampa, a little yep. bit past the midpoint between Orlando and Tampa for those that are looking for Florida geography lessons. There it is. And now, now look at that. So we can add that to the list of the things we do here on the NBA front office show. So the Magic, uh, one of the things that Alex Martins, the team president, said was really important to him making a hire was Jeff Weltman was part of the Toronto Raptors using Raptors 905, which is a similar arrangement just down the road from from the parent club, using them a lot. They moved shuttled guys back and forth in between, and he really wants to see that. So the guy like Zimmerman, he could have really benefited from that. Practice with the Magic, and then go play in the games in Lakeland. As it was, Erie can't really pull that off. It's a little too far to do that. So he spent a lot of his season playing up in Erie. What do you think his future is with the the team? He's fully non-guaranteed. There are no minimum guarantee for him. becomes fully guaranteed on July 6th. Yeah, I, I, I think the Magic will end up keeping him around. They obviously used to pick on him and, and – 
when I mean, it was a different management group that that selected him. But I think the general consensus on Zimmerman was he's he's a really talented player. He's got a lot of skills. It's just about putting on that muscle and, and kind of getting it to translate to the NBA. If it, it, they drafted him knowing he wasn't going to be ready the first year, and knowing that it would take a year, maybe two, to to get really ready for the NBA. Um, if if they had two way contracts last year, Zimmerman absolutely would have been uh, someone that you spent a two way contract on. Let him spend a lot of time in the G League, uh, in the D League, whatever, you want to, whatever it, it's called whenever I'm <laughs> referencing this. Um, let him spend time there to develop, even a full season there to develop. I mean, I think, uh, you know, if they could have had the Tyler Harvey arrangement, they, they probably would have liked that more. Uh, but Zimmerman is a really talented guy uh, for a, lo- a long time. He was even projected as a, as a lottery pick, I think, mm-hmm. for, for a stretch of time yeah, during his freshman year. Um, you know, he, he's, he's got talent, and even when he played on the, on the floor, you could see he had some of that talent. He just wasn't quite ready to, to muscle up against, you know, against, against, you know for, for lack of a term, against the men of the NBA. I mean, I, 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 I took some heat a little bit. You know, in the last game, they let him go up against Boban Marjanovic, and, and Marjanovic is obviously, Boban is just a, a, a huge person, and he just enveloped. Zimmerman. I mean, there was one rebound where I think Marjanovic, you know, just reached out over Zimmerman and, and rebounded the ball over him, and there's literally nothing Steven, Steven Zimmerman could do. He, so he's just got to add some strength and some muscle. He can clearly play at the D-League, le- at the D-League level. Um, he, had a, he had a 2020 game uh, and was, I think, pretty close to a double-double um, in, the, in the few games that he played for Erie. And so I think it's clear there is something there. It just needs some time to grow. I think the Magic are willing to give it time to grow. You know, he's on a second-round kind of minimum contract, so it's not going to cost them a lot in the long run. And, and so I think that they're, they're willing to be a little bit more patient with Zimmerman. He's, he's got to show signs that he's ready to, to play in the NBA probably at some point during the next season, though, if he wants to stay on the team beyond that. Yeah, and one thing I want to mention with Zimmer, well, two things, I'm sorry. The first is he's only going to be 21 at the start of next season, mm-hmm. so that's big. Um, still very young, a lot of room to grow. And his, now we're talking an extremely limited sample size here because he only played in 19 NBA games and only 108 minutes in those games. But his per 36 rebounding numbers, 11.7 a game. He did show the ability, he showed it in Summer League, he showed it in the D-League, you mentioned had a 20-rebound game there, that he can get after it and get to the boards, and that that's a pretty good number. So, you know, he's although he's small, he's not afraid to get in there and mix it up, um, not small, height-wise, small, um, weight-wise and bulk-wise, but mm-hmm. he is willing to get in there and mix it up. So so that's interesting. So we'll, we'll have to see with him. For the record, I'm with you. I think he is comes back as kind of a project developmental big uh, third center kind of guy on the roster. The next two guys for the Magic did finish the season, despite Zimmerman being their only rookie for the bulk of it, did finish with a couple other rookies, guys that they signed really late in the year. So Patricio Garino, I know this is one of Phil's favorites. He loved this guy in summer league. (laughs) And then Marcus Georges Hunt, who was brought in. Uh, Georges Hunt had spent the bulk of his um, NBA D-League time with the Boston Celtics affiliate, Maine Red Claw. So I'm going to talk about him real quick. He is essentially your kind of all-around good, not great player. He was a good player at Georgia Tech, kind of a late bloomer, came along late in his senior year. But he can handle the ball a little, can pass a little, shoot a little, defend a little. 
The problem is it's all of those things are a little. So he is probably the kind of guy who, my guess is, the Magic, what they did with both of these guys, they gave them non-guaranteed contracts, again, fully non-guaranteed. They both become 275000 guaranteed if they make the opening night roster, and then fully guaranteed on the league-wide guarantee date of January 10th of 2018. That's when all contracts become fully guaranteed. What those types of contracts generally scream is, those are training camp guys. So my thought is both of these guys are going to come back and at least go through training camp with the Magic. You can go up to 20 guys on the training camp roster, so it seems to make sense that these guys will both be back. But, Phil, go ahead and talk about Garino a little bit and what you know you saw with him. Yeah, I, Garino during summer league I thought had really good defensive instincts. Uh, he uh, is, is he played uh, a, you know full career at George Washington, so he had some college experience. He had a good run in college. He's a decent shooter, um, although he he really struggled to shoot when he got to the Magic. Uh, he actually after summer league the Magic didn't grab him. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had him for three games before he went to play for Argentina in the Olympics. The San Antonio Spurs grabbed him, uh, had him in training camp. He was I think their last cut and then ended up playing most of his season with their D, with their D-League affiliate in Austin. Uh, and so he had a decent run there. You know, the, the, you could kind of see some of the tools that he has. He just wasn't able to put it all together. When he got to Orlando, you saw some of the defensive ability that he had. He, he just really struggled to shoot. Um, you know, I had big, I had high expectations for Garino personally because I, I really liked, I really liked his game. Uh, but Georges Hunt looked like the better player to me. Um, it, you know, really surprised me with his play in the five games that they played in Orlando. They obviously didn't get a lot of playing time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and and. And their stats are very unimpressive when you look at them a little bit deeper. But um, it, you know, both of these guys, you know, they're they're hungry. They you know they work hard. You know, they got a lot of reason. You got a lot of reasons to like both of them. I think we'll see them both in summer league uh, if, if they're allowed. I think they're both they're both rookies, so they'll probably both mm-hmm. be on the Magic summer league team this year. I would Should imagine. be a relatively stacked summer league team, considering all the draft picks that the Magic have. Uh, and so I, I think we'll see them play there. That'll be part of their evaluation. They'll get their shot at training camp. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's a long road ahead for both Garino and Georges Hunt to make the Magic roster. At, you know, for, for summer cap purposes, their cap number is going to stay on the books um, because I think the Magic will keep them into training camp. Uh, that, that's one of the promises that was probably made to them when they were signed that they, they'd at least get a look at training camp. So unless they're unless so they both kind of unless the team and the player come to agreement that yeah you're not going to get a shot here, you know you're you, if you want to look around to play for another team we'll let we'll let you go. Um, unless that happens, you know I think we'll see them both in training camp. But I, I don't know if either one will make the ro- make the final roster unless they they drastically improve over the summer. Yeah, and so I'm glad you mentioned the draft picks. It's it's a good segue. It's almost like you host your own show or something like that. Yeah, it's so, like I have a podcast. Yeah, right, it's something like that. So so let's hit those draft picks now because that's probably what most of the people tuning in here really want to hear about that and then what we're going to touch on uh, just in a bit. So, so the draft picks for the Magic, this is a big one, not only because it's the new regime's first draft at the top uh, running things, but they've got four really good draft picks. In the first round, they've got the numbers number six pick, that's their own pick. Then they have the number 25 pick, that's the pick that came from the Toronto Raptors in the Serge Ibaka, Terrence Ross deal. And then they have two second round picks, the 33rd and the 35th. And one thing before we get into who you think the team, who you know the teams looked at from who they've worked out and then where you think their direction should be. One thing I want to mention, John Hammond has had success in the draft. 
with two types of players. One is he's not afraid to go after a guy and pick guys where people are like, oh, man, he went after that guy a little high. Did that with Brandon Jennings. I know Brandon Jennings is not the greatest player in the world now, but he had a, several productive years. He had a good run in Milwaukee. He absolutely did. Then there's a big one, the one that everybody loves, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He was the one who grabbed him. Now, it gets built up a little bit that nobody knew who Giannis was and all this. People knew who he was by that point, but John Hammond was the one who had the, the faith and the trust that he was going to be good and drafted him. And, then and, this, and, oh, and Weltman was the one that pushed and Weltman was the one that pushed Hammond to, to go see him in person yep. in Greece. Absolutely. So and then the next the this year, this just this past draft, he drafted Thon Maker higher than a lot of people thought Thon Maker should go. And by the end of the year he was their starting center on a playoff team and starting to look like a really good player. And then he in the second round got Malcolm Brogdon, who I know a lot of people said he never should have slipped that far, but he did. And Hammond was the one who pounced on him when a lot of the teams could have had him prior to that. And he brought him in, and Brogdon was their starter. So when you have two rookie starters from the same draft class that are starting on your playoff roster, that's a pretty good draft to me. So that's part of what makes this so important. So with all that said, with all that draft capital, cap, the capital coming in, where did, what's going on with the Magic? Who are they already looking at, and what direction do you think they're going to go in this draft? Well, the big name that they've already had in was Dennis Smith from NC State. Um, that's that's probably the one guy they've looked at with that that would be picked with the sixth pick that they brought in already. And they actually brought him in the day before the NBA draft lottery, so it was before Jeff Weltman and John Hammond were in place. Uh, you know, Matt Lloyd. Matt Lloyd was the interim GM. He was the one that. I guess set up the the workout. Or, you know, obviously, the coaching staff, Frank Vogel and his staff, kind of ran that workout, that one-on-one workout or one-on-o workout. Um, and so Smith is really the only big name that's come through Orlando so far. Uh, Zach Collins of Gonzaga said that he had come into Orlando. Um, he's kind of a, a, a early teens, maybe up in the late lottery type of pick. So I, I don't see him. If, if Magic picked him at six. That would be a real reach, and I think there'd be a lot of upset fans. Um, with the sixth pick in this draft, this isn't the place to take the big reach, like like taking Giannis Antetokounmpo or taking Thon Maker at ten. I, I don't think this is where we'll see, you know, that mo that mo come into play because in this draft there are legitimately seven or eight really really good, you know, potentially really good players. I mean, at obviously least. you got Fultz and Ball. Yeah, you got Fulton Ball at the top, and then after that, three through six, seven, maybe even eight, are kind of a jumble. Um, you know, Josh Jackson is, is probably the best of that bunch, um, but you're starting to hear some doubts about him, and then certainly his, his shot is a little bit concerning, especially in a league that is emphasizing shooting and a lot more. You got Darren Fox, who's, who's climbing, seems to be climbing, but but you know he's got questions about him. You've got Dennis Smith. You've got Malik Monk. You've got I'm sure I'm going to forget someone here. Jason Tatum, you've got uh, uh, Jonathan Isaac, you've got Malik Monk. There are really good, and, and then even after them, you know, you can maybe make an argument for Frank Tilakina to to potentially grow into that into that player and and kind of you know wiggle his way into that tier. And the seven foot center from Arizona, Lori Markinen, a lot of people consider him the best shooter in this draft. So. There are really good players, and so I don't think the Magic need to take a, a, a stretch. Um, a lot of people ask me what are the Magic's needs, and I tell them the Magic need everything. They need yeah. a star. 
And, and I think that they can draft that at six. I don't think they have to, you know, move up to go get their guy. I think a guy with star qualities is going to fall into their lap at six. Obviously, it comes with more risk. The later in the draft you pick, the more risk there is. You know, you, you have fewer choices. But if the Magic can get a guy like Dennis Smith, who can grow into their eventual point guard to, to maybe replace Alfred Payton, that would be a great pick. If they end up taking Jason Tatum, that would be a good pick to me. If they end up taking John, you know, a lot of people have said, you know, John Hammond tends to like these rangy athletic forwards. If they end up taking Jonathan Isaac to, to kind of fit that, that gap, I certainly would not be upset, upset with him. He's a little bit rawer than I think a lot of the other players in this draft, but he certainly has that potential to grow into a player that you build your roster around. And so I think that, that, that at six, the Magic will have the opportunity to take a very good player that, that can kind of kickstart their rebuild. The question for the Magic, I think, is more about... It is, and, and while I think Weltman avoided talking about this at his introductory press conference... I don't think there's any doubt that the Magic still have some pressure to win. They're they're in their longest drought playoff drought in franchise history. You know, Frank Vogel has said our goal is to make the playoffs, and and I think everyone in the organization will say we want to make the playoffs as as soon as possible. Now, are they going to make kind of silly moves to try and force that again? I don't think so. But they're going to be looking to take a player that that they believe can probably contribute pretty quickly and eventually grow into a star. They, they want they want high high ceiling, high floor guys. Uh, and honestly, at six, I think they can still get that. Yeah, I'm with you. And it, it's, this is one of those drafts where I think we're really starting to lock into. There's a lot of reports and a lot of noise out there that Lonzo Ball is not a lock to go to. And there's even some thoughts, you know, maybe the Celtics might, you know, they're working out other guys. You know, why would they do that? Are they going to trade back or whatever? It's going to be Fulton Ball at the top of the draft. That to me is is locked in. But after that, things might get crazy because we don't know. Yeah. But one thing I am in complete agreement with you on is the Magic are going to come out of this with a player at number six. They're going to get someone who can come in and get these fans excited. I have been on the, the point guard train for quite some time. Uh, Phil mm-hmm. knows this probably better than almost anybody else outside of a couple other people in my life. I'm not an Alfred Payton guy, but that's just because I don't like point guards who can't shoot unless they're absolutely elite in other areas, and I don't think Alfred Payton is. So I'm not the biggest De'Aaron Fox fan, but I'm starting to come around on him a little bit because I do think he's got some of those elite tendencies at some of the other things he can do, and his shot maybe isn't quite as broken as it might look. He might be able to improve on that. But the guys I'm starting to really come around on for the Magic are one of two guys, if either one of them's there, and that's Jason Tatum or Jonathan Isaac. And a lot of people would say, yeah, but they've already got Aaron Gordon. Yeah, great. So you, the big thing in the NBA right now is kind of going as positionless as you can. Why not pair Aaron Gordon with one of those two guys? And then you've just got two forwards. You, you don't have to lock into power forward or that. Both Tatum and Isaac can shoot it enough that Gordon's still going to get his touches in close to the basket where he should be instead of being completely forced to the perimeter like he was next to Serge Ibaka. 
But those are the two guys, I think. But no matter what, I think they're coming away with someone really good that the fans can be really, really excited about seeing long-term as part of the future at six. Where it gets a little more interesting for me is at 25. So for what it's worth, off Draft Express, most recent mock draft came out within the last couple of days. Jonathan Isaac, who they have projected at six. And then at 25, this is where, you know, you're kind of uh, you just throwing things out there and hoping they might stick a little bit. But they've got um, the big guy from Germany, Isaiah Hartenstein, um, who is, you know, he's a big seven-foot forward. Um, there's been some, uh, he might be a little Dirk Nowitzki-ish and all that. But here's the deal. He averaged one point per game last season overseas. <laughs> <laughs> but he's only 19. You got you to look at you gotta look at those FIBA tournaments. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. You know, and that that's what it is. You're really comparing him to almost a high school type kid um, more so than you are any of these guys who we saw on the college level. So he his name's the guy who's mentioned he, and that would be almost, uh, for me, that might be a draft and stash type of pick where if they did go with Hardenstein, mm-hmm. he would be drafted. But I'm not convinced that's the way they're going to go. I think they might try to still get somebody at 25 who can come in and help right away. What do you think on that end? Yeah, and, 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 and I'm look, I looked this up while we're, while we're talking here. At the 2016 FIBA U18 European Championship, Hartenstein averaged 14.7 points and 9.5 rebounds per game. Uh, so relative to uh, so last summer... In his international play, he, he had a pretty good stat line uh, for those that are interested in learning a little bit more about him. Uh, but I agree. At, at 25, I think the Magic are looking for someone that is going to play a role for the team next year. I, I think that they know they need to add some depth, uh, and they need guys that are going to be ready to contribute fairly quickly or can, or can at least fill a role on the team while they develop. Um, if, if they don't go point guard, if they don't go like a Dennis Smith or Darren Fox at the top of the draft, uh, I would really look at um, either uh, taking, uh, taking maybe a guy like Juwana Evans of Oklahoma State, who I really like. I think yep. he'd be a really strong backup point guard uh, in this league. Or a guy like Frank Jackson from Duke. I, I think, I think um, Frank Jackson really came on toward the end of the season. He's got the broken leg right now, which probably will scare some teams off, uh, maybe for a first-round pick. But he's a really, really promising prospect as well. Um, a lot of the guys the Magic have worked out are if, – if the Magic are going to take that kind of reach on a rangy forward, this might be the place to do it because you can take a guy like Tyler Lydon who you might, be, you might be in the range for a guy like Tyler Lydon who's kind of a prototypical stretch four with maybe some – with a dash of athleticism added in. Um, you could take a guy maybe like, uh, like a, a DJ, DJ Wilson from Michigan – uh, who is, who has a lot of defensive talent. You just have to kind of get him to buy into a role and maybe not try and take guys off the dribble too much. Um, there 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 are a lot of options. Um, there are a lot of big guys, too, toward the end of the first round. So if, if the Magic, as I suspect, are, are looking to trade one of their key guys, like they've got a log jam at center uh, with Nikola Vucevic and Bismack Biombo. If, if they're looking to trade Nikola Vucevic this summer, maybe they look to – find a backup center toward the end of the draft, and, and that could lead them to take a guy like a Ivan Rab or an E.K. Anabogu, or, you know, depending on who, drop, who drops, you know, maybe Harry Giles is available at that, at that pick, and, and that's a little bit of a stretch, but a guy who should be able to contribute fairly quickly off the bench because they have an NBA skill. Like, E.K. Anabogu is a fantastic shot blocker. That is what you want in an NBA center, especially a backup NBA center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he's got a lot of room to grow because he didn't play very much last year at UCLA. He's a freshman. Um, he's got a lot of potential 
but he also has a skill that seems NBA ready. And so I think that's what the Magic are going to be looking for more at at um, at pick twenty five. Yeah, and that's for me. You, what you hit on was big. Is it's going to be point guard and and forward or big? I guess let's just call it big. One way or the other. So if they go big early, I think they'll go point late. And if they go uh, point early, then they'll go big late. I like the idea of Harry Giles. I think that would be a fantastic upside pick. Yeah. At twenty five, if, if he falls to twenty five, if he falls to twenty five, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do it right because especially you get a little leeway when you have that second first round pick where that guy can be the little more I'm going to shoot for the moon type of guy. I mean, you don't go completely crazy, but that's not not going crazy for Giles. Giles at one point was at the top of this class altogether amongst everybody when he was, uh, you know, but he's now coming off multiple ACL tears and, you know, had some health issues at Duke as a freshman. So so definitely interesting. We're not going to get too deep into 33 and 35 just because it's already hard enough to project at 25. But I think what you're looking at there is probably whoever they pick, don't just disregard it. Because as I mentioned, that's where John Hammond got Malcolm Brogdon was in that range last year for the Bucks, And he ended up blossoming in the starting point guard spot. My guess would be that may be where you see a draft and stash come in that late in the draft. Just four rookies on one roster. That's a little much for any NBA team to take. We don't know exactly how these two-way contracts are going to work out and if the, the draftees are going to be willing to take one or not. So so we can keep keep a, keep, keep an eye on that. Don't don't write it off, though. Don't turn off the draft at the end of the first round and just say, all right, I don't care whoever they pick. I'll read about it in the paper tomorrow. No, it's a re- in the paper. How old am I? Read about it online tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, sorry, sorry to any of our uh, newspaper friends like Josh Robbins. Um, but anyway, now what I want to talk about, because this is probably the big I don't, And don't forget, too, with, with, with a team that has four draft picks, there's a potential to trade up. And, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and we'll, I mean, we know the Magic's cap situation. You don't have a lot of room to, to deal with. But 33 and 35 are, to me, when you're picking that high in the second round, you're essentially getting first-round talent for free, yep. you know, essentially. And so those picks have value. So if a team... It doesn't want to commit to a to the guaranteed contract that a first round player brings. They might be willing to to trade back into the draft and into that thirty three thirty into that into that thirties range. And the Magic certainly are going to. I think, like you said, they're probably not going to want to bring four rookies onto the roster. They're going to. I think the Magic will be a very active team on the rumor mill on draft night. Teams are going to be targeting them anyway to say, hey. Do you want to package two of these picks to get another first round pick, or yep. you know, can can we grab that pick to get this play, to get this player you want? It, it's the Magic are going to have a lot of options available because not only I mean this isn't like a pick at forty five, forty six, you know, toward the end of the second round. These are these are high value picks where you get a choice of a potentially high upside player or potentially a, a guy who is a senior that no one wants to give first-round money to but can contribute pretty quickly because of that experience or because of that ability. And so uh, the Magic are going to be very, very active on draft night, even if they don't use all of these picks. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a great point that you just made. They're probably one of the teams, along with Portland, that I think are probably the ones that are most – the teams you want to watch the most to see what they do leading up to the draft and doing that. So now let's talk about, about three guys who, who the Magic drafted – Somewhat fairly recently, and all are facing some different things. So, so the first guy I want to talk about is Mario Hazonia. So, 
The big decision with Mario is, are the Magic going to pick up his fourth-year rookie option? Now, it might seem insane to suggest that they wouldn't. He was the fifth overall pick, I believe, right, when he was drafted. And guys who were drafted at high, unless they had a catastrophic injury or absolutely stink and cannot play at all, they don't get rookie-scale options declined. But Mario's starting to border on that second piece there. He hasn't had a catastrophic injury, but it's starting to look like, eh, I don't know about this guy. My gut feeling says, absolutely, they're going to pick it up. You're not going to throw that away. It's $5 million. You're still in the middle of the rebuild, even next season. So this is for the 2018-19 season. Let's be clear about that. He is under contract, fully guaranteed for 17-18. But 18-19, how it works in the NBA on rookie scale is you have to, the year ahead, you have to pick it up. So so they the Magic, by basically by opening night, have to decide if they're going to pick up the rookie-scale option for Mario's fourth year to come back. He's already locked in for the third. Is that, to you, is that a guarantee that they'll do that, that they'll pick that up? I would say I'm probably 95% certain they'll pick up that, that fourth-year option. Um, Hazonia has not played well, um, that's, that's to say the least. Uh, he really struggled to get minutes last year. Uh, even with with it seemed like a, a longer leash, he, just, he he was supposed to have one NBA skill ready made when he when he came in. Like the Magic knew he was a project, and so I think that gives him some leeway. But everyone believed in that draft in the 2015 draft that Mario Azoni was probably the best shooter in the draft. He shot 29.9% from beyond the arc on on more than two attempts per game last year in in the limited minutes that he played. That's not encouraging, and, and, and his shot really, really struggled, and he's got to rediscover confidence in his shot if he wants to have any chance of making it to the NBA. The good news, I think, for him, and, and I think for the Magic as well, is he is staying in Orlando this summer. He's not going to play in Eurobasket for Croatia, uh, or at least the plan is he's not going to play in Eurobasket in, for Croatia. So he's going to he, you know, work out in Orlando for, you know, on, you know, for, for people who are wondering what his own he's been up to. When the Magic did open up their workouts earlier this this, this summer, Mario Hazonia was in the gym. Uh, you know, he was not shooting because the workouts were going on on the on the floor. But you could you could see him in the weight room. You could you could hear him. Mario likes to likes to shout a lot when he's when he's in the building. <laughs> um, he's he he was he was in the building. He is working out. He is doing what he can to to get better, or at least all indications are that. the The good news, I I, I would say, the good news is. The Magic will be able to get information on this decision before they have to make it. I think the deadline to pick up team options is October 31st, regardless yep. of when the season starts. Yep. So because the season's going to end up starting what, a week and a half, two weeks earlier this year. Yeah, yeah, right around probably somewhere in the 17th to 20th of October. Yep. Yeah. The Magic are going to have not only a full training camp, a full preseason, they're going to have two weeks of the season to say, is Mario Azonia a part of this team's future? Um, I, I, I think that that is going to be really good information. Again, even without that, I think they'll pick up the option anyway. Like you said, fifth overall pick. He's clearly got talent. Um, you can see the talent when he play, and the flashes where he plays well. It's just about consistency and confidence with him. Finding the right role for him. The Magic tried playing him as a power forward last year. I, I'm not quite sold that will work. He just needs to get better. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. He just needs to get better. Um, there's been some talk that maybe he'll play summer league. Um, I I, I kind of doubt that um, in, in the long run, especially with all the guys the Magic need to look at at, at summer league this year. Uh, but every indication is that 
he's still part, he's still going to be part of the team. They're going to pick up that option and, and kind of see where ta- where things go this year. And, and he's willing to put in the work to to make himself better. He's not going to play for Croatia, play a, play a role. I mean, essentially at the Olympics, he was stand in the corner and shoot, and he did okay with that. There was again no indication that he would have a bad season like this. But he had a bad season like this, and so now the questions arise, and he's got to prove prove them all wrong. Yeah, and so now let's get into the two big ones. So Alfred yeah. Payton and Aaron Gordon. So these were these were the two guys who were supposed to be by this point leading us out of this wilderness here in Orlando and back into the playoffs and getting right in there and really leading the way. They were drafted in the same draft class, came in together as rookies. They this past year they played in the. Two, two of the most games on the team. So Alfred Payton played in all 82. Gordon played in 80. Right smack in the middle was Bismack Biombo played in 81. Couldn't play in all 82 because he was suspended for game one of the season for Biz. But to go back to Payton and Gordon, played a lot. They were both mostly healthy. Payton bounced in between the starting lineup and the bench a little bit. There was a time when he was sent to the bench as kind of a, we got to get somebody else out here. And it was DJ Augustin and CJ Watson both got shots in the starting five over him. Gordon essentially started almost the whole year. He, he did his turn through the bench as well when uh, Frank Vogel and staff were just trying to kind of figure things out. But Peyton... Trying to his, make the offense work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. they were trying to get a little bit more scoring on the floor at that point. So Peyton, this is what it looked like overall for him. Because if you look at his stats overall, you might say, well, not so bad. You know, it looks like they're okay. 12.8 points per game, 6.5 assists, 4.7 rebounds. 4.7 rebounds, that's pretty good for a point guard. Then 47% shooting overall. Well, that's not too bad. 27% from three on only 1.8 attempts. So he's not even attempting shots out there. What Alfred Payton has turned into in a lot of ways, and trust me, I watched this guy forever, is Rajon Rondo, where it's, if I have the ball in my hand and I can get into the paint, I can do really good things. If I don't, then I'm basically useless and you're playing four on five. Gordon, on the flip side, he spent most of the year playing at small forward, where he's not a small forward. He's just kind of a forward or a power forward if you're going to positionalize it. And by the end of the year, he started to look more like himself. He was getting to the rim. He was getting to the basket, making plays inside. 12.7 points per game for him on the year, 5.1 rebounds, and played you know, fairly solid defense at times. When, when was asked often to go toe-to-toe with some of the better offensive uh, small forwards in the league and did, did okay um, with that. So, But these are the big guns. These are the two guys the Magic need to know about. They're both due... They're both up for contract extensions. As it, as it works again in the NBA, because this is the NBA front office show, when a player is heading, heading into their fourth year of their rookie-scale deal, they are eligible to sign a contract extension for the first time that would kick in in the next season. So in the case of these two guys, that contract extension would kick in in the 2018-19 season. If they don't, the Magic have the option to let them test restricted free agency and still have match rights on any deal that they get, and they can match on them. Or the Magic, if things really, really went south, could just cut them loose and let them go completely and not even have anything to do with them anymore. Now, before we get into where you think it's going to go, one thing that's really important with the way things work, cap holds next summer in 2018-19 for first-round picks are changing. This year, they're 20% and 25% of the prior year's salary. So it's 20% if you are 
under the average salary in the NBA, which most first-round draft picks are, and then 25%. 25% if you're under, 20% if you're over the average salary. Most first-round draft picks are under the average salary, just the way the salary scale works. And both of these guys will be, I can guarantee you that. Next year, though, it goes to 30% and 25%. So it's going to be an additional 5% of a cap hold. So to give a picture, Aaron Gordon's cap hold next summer for the Magic to retain his restricted free agent rights, $16.5 million. Alfred Payton, $9.9 million, almost 10, just shy of $10 million for him. And you can really round it to 10 if you want. That's a lot of money to be sitting on the books and cap holds for guys if you're a little shaky and unquestionable. That's $26 million, $26.5 million or so that could keep you from getting a really good player. So let's bring it all the way back around. Phil, what happens? Are either one of these guys going to get an extension this summer? If I, I, I'll start here. I don't think Alfred Payton's going to get an extension this summer. Um, I think that uh, there's new management, obviously. I think there's a very high probability the Magic will be targeting a point guard in some form or fashion. Um, despite what Payton is and, and what he does well, they clearly need an improvement at that spot. Um, you know, I, I've always kind of said about Nikola, I've always said this about Nikola Vucevic. Um, he's double-double guy, produces good numbers, he is a solid option as a center, and that is an important position. You ask the Magic from 1997 to 2004 how important having a center is. Um, it, it matters. And Vucevic is a perfectly serviceable center. But it's very difficult to win with him as your starting center. And if a better option comes along, you need to pursue it. And you don't need – you shouldn't be – and I like Nick. Nick's, Nick's a good, good guy. I think he's a good player. You, you can't be attached to that player because – if there's a better option there, you need to take it. Alfred Payton is in that same boat, in my opinion. He is fine for what he is. Um, he, you know, can produce stats. I mean, you talked about what he did for the whole season. After the All-Star break, he went on a tear. When the Magic started picking up the pace, giving him the ball more, he averaged 13.5 points per game, 7 rebounds per game, and 8.4 assists per game. He had five triple-doubles after the All-Star break. He can put up numbers. He can he can really do a lot of really good things as a point guard, even with teams laying off his shot. But his defensive inconsistency is a big deal, and obviously the team still wasn't winning games. So his production is fine, but he he isn't quite what you need. And so I think that the magic, the probably I think that Alfred Payton was a Rob Hennigan guy. Um, that was a, that was a boat that Hennigan kind of hitch this trailer to or, or whatever analogy we want to use, um, that protection is gone. Hennigan's not there anymore. I think everyone is under review, and, and Peyton's spot is very precarious, and I think that the Magic very, I'm mean, again, very likely are going to try and draft a point guard or find a point guard to provide consistent starter minutes. And, and so I think that puts Peyton in a very tricky spot for the team, and, and honestly, I think it probably means that they'll let him go into restricted free agency without uh, without an extension offer. I will even go this far in Alfred Payton. If the Magic draft a point guard at six, they already have the backup bridge kind of guy in DJ yeah. Augustine on the roster. Payton, they're not even going to have to make a decision because Payton won't be on the roster. He will be gone. 
I, I think there's a good chance of that too. Yeah, if they draft a point guard at six, I think he's going to be moved off elsewhere. And honestly, that would be for the best of him, for the new guy coming in, and for the Magic. It's better to just cut ties. You don't want that to be messy. That could be a really ugly situation and not be and, good. And, and DJ's and Peyton, part, and Peyton's yeah, and Payton's known to pout a little bit. Like, when, when they moved into the bench, yeah. he he was not a happy camper. He wasn't. Him. Yeah, he absolutely wasn't. You could tell. And, and his play showed it as well. So, all right, so let's get to the guy. The guy who is – he was the Dwight Howard replacement. He's the big superstar. He's the guy the Magic want to build around, the dunk contest guy. A lot of fun. Played out of position all last year, or almost all last year, as we already mentioned. But Aaron Gordon, think they're going to get something done with him. And if they do, what's that number going to be? I think the Magic will try and get something done with Aaron Gordon. Uh, it's hard to say exactly what's going to happen. It, it, the situation almost – it doesn't remind me entirely of, of this, but uh, I think this is probably the apt analogy. It's almost like when Stan Van Gundy came into Detroit and they didn't really know what to do with Greg Monroe. And uh, I think he was a restricted free agent when Stan Van Gundy came in. Uh, and they ended up giving him the qualifying offer. He ended up taking the qualifying – I think he took the qualifying offer. He did, yeah. And just played out that year, and it was just kind of a feeling out year. I I, I kind of get the sense that the the, 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 the M.O. under Hennigan with the restricted free agents was try and get him, try and get him back cheap, but be, but be willing to pay in restricted free agency. And it worked. And with Nikola Vucevic, they got him in cheap. With Tobias Harris and Evan Fournier, they let him play restricted free agency and ended up bringing them back anyway on on negotiated deals. They didn't have to sign a, they didn't have to sign an off or match an offer sheet. They they brought him back in on negotiated deals. So and both of I them. That, well, let's sorry to interrupt you, but both of them. Let's sure, be okay. clear, pretty good deals too for what those yeah. players are. They're not, you know, Fournier is a flat seventeen million over five years was what he was given. Harris had a kind of a one of those. Contracts that goes up and down and then back up, but average about sixteen million or so a year for him. But both very fairly paid for what they are as players. So go ahead. Exactly, going. exactly. And so I think that's going to be the approach the Magic take with Gordon. Um, they're going to try and get him for cheap. Uh, and I think what's really difficult about Gordon is it's still really hard to measure his value because, like you said, he averaged. 12.7 points, 5.1 rebounds per game. He's just this bundle of potential right now. And it's really unclear what he's going to turn into because he's shown flashes that he could, with some internal in, internal improvement, become a star. Um, you know, he had a couple 30-point games last year. Uh, honest, I, I believe Aaron Gordon will be an all-defensive team player at some point in the future. After the All-Star break, when they moved him back to power forward, he averaged 16.4 points and 6.2 rebounds per game, shooting 50% from the floor. About the biggest hole in this game right now is his three-point shooting, um, and he's got to find a way to improve that. Uh, it's just so hard to get a sense of what Aaron Gordon is because even the last two years, he's had to deal with injury. He hasn't had a full training camp in two seasons. And mm-hmm. on top of all that, He's, he's had a different coach every single season that he's been in the NBA. And so he, he both him and Peyton have been a victim of rampant instability with the Magic roster. And it, I think it has hurt their growth and development. Yeah. Having said all that... Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. And so having said all that, I, I just think it's really difficult to value Aaron Gordon. And I know if I'm Aaron Gordon and I'm looking at this Magic roster right now, I know I'm the future of this team. 
I'm gonna pretty much say I'm gonna I'm gonna have faith in my ability, and I'm gonna play myself into a bigger deal over the summer. And, and the Magic, I think, will be more than happy to match it if he does that. Yeah. So here's here's my prediction on Aaron Gordon. If it's anything twenty million dollars annual value and south, the Magic will jump all over it and grab him. And I think that's what they're going to offer. I think they're going to give him, and we'll probably never find out an exact offer, but my guess is they're going to hit him and his agent with something along the lines of 16 to $20 million annual value. Take it or leave it. If not, go ahead and play it out. If we're wrong, we still have match rights on you. If he blows up and let's say becomes you know a candidate for most improved player, starts to push the heck out of making an all-star team or something like that, Great, so then the Magic have match rates, and then they'll just get it done next summer when he's a restricted free agent and match any deal on him, and they'll do it up into, up to and including a max deal, and they'll do it happily because he did it. So I think you're exactly right. They're either going to get him on a steal, or they're just going to let him go to restricted free agency, and that's where it'll go. So with that said, we are smack out of time here on the NBA Front Office Show. I want to thank you, Phil, for coming on the show. Philip Rossman Reich, Orlando Magic Daily. And when it's daily, I mean daily, multiple times a day. <laughs> it could be Orlando Magic multiple <laughs> times a day. All Magic news is there that you could possibly need, as well as Locked On Magic. And I know Phil hits Locked On Magic really hard. Great detail there. If there's something going on with this team, Phil and his team have it covered, and they're going to let you know. Phil, is there anything you want to plug, anything you want to get out there and talk about? Uh, not too much. If, I mean, just even for general NBA fans, uh, we're doing our NBA draft profile series right now. So we're, we're kind of taking one player every day and kind of breaking down what he does well, what he, what he does poorly, and, and kind of where he fits into the draft landscape. It's not even really uh, necessarily magic specific, although we do touch on where they might fit in with the magic a little bit. Uh, and so every day and up until the draft, we've been doing it for about a week now. Uh, there is a draft profile up on the site. We did uh, Jordan Bell from Oregon earlier this week. Uh, we did Lori Markinen uh, today. We got uh, Frank, Frank Tilakina coming tomorrow. And, you know, pretty much we're hitting one a day. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys to get to because the Magic are going to have a lot of, a lot of stoves on the fire uh, with, with this NBA draft. So we're, we're hitting it pretty hard. So if you're looking for just general draft information, uh, you know, our, our team is doing a, a really, a really good job so far. Uh, looking into some of these prospects, some people that you may not know much about, um, some people that you you may uh, may know a lot, but but you know want to want to see what we have to say. Uh, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com every day, and uh, of course follow me on Twitter at OmagicDaily for the latest on the Magic. Absolutely. So thanks again for coming on, and Phil. I know I will see you in about two weeks at the Amway Center for the NBA draft. Really excited for that. Should be a fun night there. Again, everyone, thank you for joining us on the NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. You can find me. I am your host, Keith Smith. You can find me on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. Hit me up. If you are listening to the show and you like it, please, or you don't like it, please send feedback so that we know we can do better what you want to see and what you want to hear. We want to make this a show for you as we attempt to dive deep into what's going on with NBA Front Offices. We've got a lot of great guests lined up coming up over the next handful of weeks as we lead up to the NBA offseason. We're really excited to get everyone in here and talk about their teams and all that. So again, NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network. Give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes if you have a chance or on your favorite podcast player, and we will talk to you soon.
All right, let's pull up over here and drop a line. Are your feet wet? My feet are wet. Here's the drain plug. You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah, Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Yeah. Tell you another way to save money. Don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning, you know. Then you can save up for a, I don't know, really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying. It's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.